0: Luke chapter 2, and this morning we're uh, reading from uh, verses 8 through verse 20 of Luke chapter 2. So now to the reading of God's holy word. Now there, was, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the, field, in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold... And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. And so it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this holy word. O gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you for the great gift that you give to us in your word. And especially your word become flesh in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we come to this particular passage this morning, we pray, Father, that your spirit would go forth in the power uh, and might of your spirit. And that would find within each of our hearts that rich and fertile soil that will bring about a great and abundant fruit for your glory. We praise you and thank you, O God, for the blessing of your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, just before uh, Jesus uh, ascended into heaven to uh, sit at the right hand of God the Father after his death and his resurrection... He charged the disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We call this the Great Commission. Jesus ascending his disciples and commissioning his church to proclaim the gospel salvation that he secured by his death and his resurrection. Now over the centuries... Uh, Since then, the church has been eager to accomplish this task. Certainly, sometimes more eager than others, but the charge still remains. It's never been revoked. And if we truly profess to love Jesus, well, then we ought to demonstrate that love by being faithful and keeping this command. And this applies even to us here, to the Living Way Reformed Presbyterian Church. Jesus Christ has called us to proclaim the gospel. How faithful are we in doing this? How eager are we to do this? Now, some challenging questions certainly to uh, to consider. But certainly, when we as we think about this, we know that we can be eager. We can even sincerely desire to be faithful to fulfill the great commission. But if we have no idea of how to actually share the gospel with those around us, well then our good intentions are going to get us nowhere. And so this morning as we consider this a passage about the announcement of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to see what it reveals to us about the gospel and how we ought to go about proclaiming it and sharing it as Christ has commanded us. And the first point that we need to acknowledge is that there's truly a great need for the gospel. Again, just before our passage, we have the the very brief account of, of Jesus' birth. One of the greatest events in the course of human history, the day that God became a man to dwell among us, and no one was there to witness it, Except Joseph and Mary. Now this underlies the important truth that Jesus was born to identify with us. In our weak and our sinful condition. And not only had no one noticed that the Messiah has been born. But there was no room for them at the inn. And so that his bed was a a feeding trough and a stable. And these conditions all point toward The humiliation of the Son of God. The Son of God who had come now in the likeness of sinful flesh. Leaving behind all His glory, honor, and praise at the right hand of God. Now He comes and is immediately humiliated at the time of His birth. But this humiliating experience we know was necessary... So that Jesus might truly be able to identify with us in our own sin and our own misery. So that he might become a faithful and effective high priest for us. Serving as the only mediator between God and man. And we need such a mediator. We need such a mediator because as the Apostle Paul reminds us that we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned against God. There's no one who is good, not even one. Conceived in sin. We come forth from the womb speaking lies. Indeed, such a corrupt condition came, we know, as a result of of, uh, the fall in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve uh, rebelled against God, our first parents. Were given everything, they had all the the privileges and and benefits of living in a perfect world. And indeed, as the father of all humanity, Adam was there in the garden as our representative before God. And yet he deliberately disobeyed God. And thus then plunged the whole entire human race that would come from him through ordinary generation into a state of sin and misery. In Adam, Paul says in Romans 5, in Adam we all have sinned. We're born estranged from God, from the God who created us, and we're unable to stand in His holy presence. The wages and the penalty of our sin is death. Not just death at the end of this life, but the just judgment of God against a sin in the eternal flames of hell. This is our fallen and sinful condition. And unless God has mercy upon us, we're dead before Him. We're dead in our sins and our transgressions. And indeed, since we're dead, well then we are unable to save ourselves. We can't save ourselves not by our own works or by our good deeds and and not even by the good deeds or works of others save Christ alone. Because a dead man can't do anything let alone good deeds in order to save himself and so we are very very needy we're all deserving of God's wrath and curse we're all cast out from the holy presence of the Lord we're all in need of a mediator to reconcile us to God our Creator this child was born in Bethlehem was that mediator and yet no one noticed his birth but there were some who were notified after he was born and indeed because of our spiritual neediness before God it was actually most fitting that the news of Christ's birth is first shared with shepherds who were out in the fields watching their flocks by night. You see, shepherds were, out, were outcasts. They were outcasts from society, and especially they were outcasts by the religious community of the day. Because shepherds spent most of their time out in the fields, they were unable to regularly keep the ceremonial laws. And because of this, they were viewed as unclean. In fact, the only class of people who were typically lower than shepherds were lepers. This shows us something of the pride and the the self-righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees who had uh, forgotten the humble beginnings of their people, that, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all shepherds. And even David, the great king of Israel, was a shepherd before the Lord anointed him to be king of Israel. But now, to these arrogant religious leaders, shepherds were, were dirty and unpresentable. Now shepherds certainly didn't, at the time, didn't help their cause much. They had a reputation of being thieves and liars. Perhaps one of the reasons why Jesus refers to himself as the good shepherd and not a hireling. It was because of this ill repute that the, the testimony of the shepherds wasn't allowed in the court of law. An interesting fact, especially in light of the amazing things about to be revealed to them. Because then you wonder, well, who was going to listen to them? Who was going to hear their report and the good news that they would bring? And so the shepherds were ceremonially and ethically unclean. They were unpresentable to society, even Friends, even as we're unclean and unpresentable before a most holy God because of our sin, both we and the shepherds are in need of some good news. But who's going to bring that good news? See, now that you know there's a need... That sinful people need a mediator and a savior in order to escape eternal destruction. Well, now another need arises. We need someone to proclaim to the needy the truth of their neediness and the fact that the need has now been met. So we have these needy shepherds who are out in the fields. Who is going to let them know that the long-awaited Messiah was born. It certainly wouldn't be the religious leaders. They wouldn't go out for fear that they might be tainted by the shepherds' uncleanness. Besides, they themselves were oblivious to the great event which has now occurred, not even understanding the Scriptures. And so if no one knew about the birth of Jesus, and yet everyone needed to know about it, well, how was it going to be proclaimed? Well, certainly we couldn't expect Mary to do it at this point. Right? She's recovering from the pain and, and the exhaustion of childbirth. And with no one else around, we certainly couldn't expect Joseph to leave Mary by herself in, in such humble conditions. And so who was to proclaim the birth of Christ? Let's well, hear. We must acknowledge... The great truth of God's most gracious and merciful intervention. You see God had not only poured out his grace and mercy upon humanity. By sending his own son to come in the likeness of sinful flesh. Thus providing uh, the only answer to our neediness. But he also graciously provided the messengers. Who would proclaim to the needy. That hope. And deliverance had surely come. In a great display of divine shock and awe, we see in verse 9, an angel of the Lord suddenly appears before the shepherds, surrounded by the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And again, everyone else may have missed the birth of Jesus, but but God took notice... And he sent an angel to declare this great news, not to the nobles, not to the religious leaders who were preoccupied with their, with their own wealth and with their own self-righteousness, but he sends his angels to the outcasts, to the despised, to the rejected shepherds, to those who are most needy. What a great display of God's grace and He'd send His angels to announce this good news to those who greatly needed it. And again, God sent His angels to proclaim this good news because no one else knew about it. But God and the angels in heaven were rejoicing at the birth of the Son of, of, the Son of God. Now it certainly isn't the ordinary means today for God to proclaim the good news of the gospel through His angels. But this gospel still goes forth. Well how does that happen? Well this is an even greater display of God's grace and mercy because God is pleased to use broken and shattered vessels to carry and proclaim the great treasure of His gospel. In fact it was those who once were in need that God through the Gospel transforms them into His servants and to be ministers to the needy. Truly as a minister of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ I've been specifically called and ordained by God to proclaim and preach the truth of the Gospel. And it's quite humbling to me that that God would would so use me despite all my own weaknesses and failures for this purpose. But, beloved of God, though I'm called to perhaps specifically be the preacher, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to remember that we are all called to bear witness to the truth of the gospel and to share it through personal outreach and and evangelism. And again, we, we ought to be amazed and humbled at really the outpouring of God's grace. That He'd entrust such a treasure to us. That He'd have us be beacons of light in this dark world, bringing the gospel of hope to those who are in need. We certainly aren't as magnificent and glorious as the angel. But friends, we are called for this very same purpose. To announce that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has surely come. Those who are needy need messengers to bring them the Gospel. And we are called to be those messengers. But what exactly is the Gospel? We discover this in the message the angel brought to the shepherds. And first we note its nature, its good news. The word here in verse 10 for good tidings basically uh, means just that. It, It was good information, good news as opposed to bad news. But when Jesus Christ was born, this was in fact not just good news, it was the best news that could be shared with anyone. Therefore Jesus often spoke of what he came to accomplish as good news. The bad news... Is that we're sinners deserving of death and God's wrath. But the good news or the, the good tidings is that Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. The good news is the gospel. And secondly, we see the good news is a, a source of great joy, and indeed it is. In fact, we'll see shortly how these lowly shepherds were filled with great joy. After they went and they saw for themselves this newborn king. And it brings the needy great joy to know that the Lord is truly mindful of them. So mindful that He sent His Son to them. And then thirdly, this good news isn't just for the shepherds. Nor is it just for for the Jews or for Israel. But for all people for people of every nation, tribe, tongue, and race. This is the first hint then that Jesus has come now in fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham that His seed would be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And so truly this is good news. So now we know that the news is good, but what is the news itself? The angel continues in verse 11 by delineating four parts that make up this news. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So first a child has been born. But not just any child in any place. But a child has specifically been born in the city of David. And the angel was announcing to the shepherds that the branch of David... His promise by the prophets in the Old Testament has now finally sprung forth. God was now fulfilling His covenant promise made to David to give Him His Son to sit upon the throne. We see that this is the second thing. The child and son of David would be a Savior. The Jews had long uh, looked for uh, the Lord to send them a Savior. One who would uh, cast off the, the yoke of the Roman Empire. And they knew that this Savior was going to be the son of David. And he would come to save them. But not from the Romans. He would come to save them from their greatest enemies. Enemies of Satan, sin and death. And note how the angel here makes this very, very personal. For there is born to you. There is born to you, this day in the city of David, a Savior. Friends, the good news is that a Savior has been born who will save needy sinners from the wrath and curse of God. A Savior has been born for you. That's good news. And thirdly, the angel further identifies the Savior and Son of David as the Christ. The long-awaited Messiah, the anointed prophet, priest, and king that God had promised to send. Indeed, Jesus would be the prophet like Moses, who would not only speak God's truth, but He was, in fact, in the flesh, the fullest revelation of God's truth. He would also be the great high priest of the order of Melchizedek and the writer uh, to the Hebrews notes that this priesthood of Melchizedek was far greater than Aaron's priesthood because it was first before Aaron and it was also eternal with no beginning and no end and truly as our great high priest then Jesus would offer up himself as the once for all perfect sacrifice for our sins and paying the penalty of death that we alone deserved And by His shed blood, we would have guaranteed for us the remission and the forgiveness of sins. Jesus would also be the anointed mediatorial King. Who would work to subdue all enemies under His feet. Even subduing rebellious sinners such as we are. And graciously transforming us into citizens of His eternal kingdom. And then fourthly, we note that the angel declared that David's son, this Savior in Christ, is also the Lord. Now, Lord here can simply refer to the fact that this child will be a master, that is one who is to be obeyed, which, of course, echoes the fact of his kingship. But more likely is an identification with the fact that this child was not only the son of David, a mere man, but it was also the son of God fully divine this child, this savior in Christ was none other than the Lord God of Israel now come in the flesh to dwell among his people salvation belongs to the Lord and the good news, the greatest news of the gospel is that God accomplished this salvation by sending his only begotten son to come in the flesh and to suffer and die on the cross for us for needy sinners who are deserving of God's just wrath and punishment. Now it's such great news. The angel knew that the shepherds would be curious to find out more and and so in verse 12 a, a sign is given and he says that they will find in the city of David in Bethlehem a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now the sign here isn't necessarily the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes right that was common practice they, they could probably find many other babies in Bethlehem that were wrapped in swaddling clothes but what would distinguish this child is that he would be lying in a manger now note the contradiction here the amazing contradiction here the, 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 the sign the sign to identify which child was the son of the great king David the sign which would say which child was the savior of sinful mankind the sign which was, which, uh, which was to distinguish which child was the, uh, the long awaited Christ indeed the sign which was to identify which child was the son of God come in the flesh was that he was lying in a major, a feeding trough for animals. An incredible sign, so humiliating, and yet so incredibly powerful. As Jesus, again, right from the beginning, is identifying with us in our weakness, and in our sin, and in our misery, and in our very low, dead spiritual condition. Well, then as if the shepherds needed <clears throat> any more confirmation or encouragement to go and see this child, verse 13, a whole multitude of the heavenly host appears and begins praising God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will to men. Such glorious praise tells us much about this child's birth and what it means. See, Jesus was born to bring peace on earth. Now this is not to bring peace on uh, to everyone without uh, distinction and that's often the, the, the misconception these days peace on earth, goodwill to men that Jesus has come to bring peace to all no he has come to bring peace to those with whom God is pleased that is to those that he is pleased to pour out his grace and mercy upon to those who would be called by his name and who would believe in, his holy, in this holy child As the Messiah Savior King and Lord for the peace which he brings to us it's not peace from war and battles and strife but it's peace between God and man again Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man and He brings about reconciliation and peace because He came in the flesh and endured the penalty due to us for our sins. What a sight this must have been then for these lowly shepherds. A chorus of angels giving all praise and glory to God because His Son had now come to redeem His people from the bondage of sin. Certainly this joyous praise is a glimpse of heaven itself. And in fact, Jesus would reassure later in in Luke 15 saying, Likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Friends, of how much greater joy then would there have been when the Savior of those sinners was born on earth? This is the good news of the gospel. Truly glory to God in the highest for this good news. And so what's the response? What's the response that we find here to this proclamation of good news? In verses 15 and 16, we see that without any doubts, without any question, without any hesitation, these very needy shepherds quickly, with great haste, go straight to Bethlehem to see this wonderful thing which the Lord had graciously revealed to them. And again, we note that the shepherds never never would have come if God didn't first send the angel as his messenger to reveal these things to them graciously and powerfully drawing their interest that they might lay their eyes upon their savior and lord indeed this ought to challenge us even to faithfully proclaim this same good news as we note here that the angel the angel didn't force the shepherds to go he didn't even pressure them all the angel did was simply share the good news that god had given and the lord drew the shepherds to himself and this is likewise what we're called to do we're called to share the good news of the gospel to those who are in need We're to tell people that Jesus was born, that He suffered and died on the cross, and on the third day He rose again from the dead to secure that victory over sin and death. We're to plant the seeds of this good news wherever we go. And we know that God will surely bring about the increase. And what does that increase look like? Well, it looks like a group of despised and rejected shepherds. It looks like those who are in great need of the mercy and grace of God, even those who are dead in their sins and transgressions, and yet after hearing the good news of the gospel, are now made alive in their hearts in Christ Jesus. And then they leave behind everything. And they run with great haste to meet the Savior that was born for them. Indeed, once these shepherds arrived on the scene, they were filled with great joy and gladness. And then they, they, they themselves shared all the marvelous things that they had seen and heard concerning this child. Again, reminding us. Here's the amazing thing. At first it was the angel, the Lord, that he had to send because no one was going to go and proclaim this good news. But he sends it to these needy people, these shepherds. And they come to believe. Well, then what do the needy shepherds do? They are now equipped to minister this good news to others who are also needy. And so they go forth glorifying and praising God for what He has accomplished for them. But also note here we have verse 19, Mary's response to all this. Imagine that they're there, uh, she's maybe nursing uh, the the, the baby, and, and then suddenly this commotion as all these shepherds come and gather around, and they're peering in, they want to see what's going on, they want to see this child, they want to see this Savior that has been born, that has long been promised. And Mary was there, and she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart certainly Mary's heart was already quite full uh, considering all that she had seen and heard and even now had experienced on her own a true treasure trove of experiences and now it's been multiplied even more so again giving us a picture of the gospel as a true and everlasting treasure that we ought to cling to and hold close to our hearts as it continues to bear great and abundant fruit For the glory of God. Such good and glorious news that Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. And friends, we're called to proclaim this good news to those who are in need. But the lone question that remains is this having heard this good news proclaimed to you even this day, the good news about the meaning and the purpose of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, well, how will you now respond? Will you respond in faith? Will you find in, in, in faith to the, to the glory of God, treasuring these things up in your heart with great joy, and, and then sharing it with others? Or will you respond in unbelief, hardening your hearts toward the only hope of salvation? And surely may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which Christ Jesus Himself was born to bring, and which He truly did accomplish on the cross by His death, may that peace graciously be granted to you. And may you truly respond in faith, rejoicing and giving thanks, and giving glory to God in the highest, forever and ever and ever. Amen. Oh, gracious God in heaven, we rejoice and give thanks to you for the reminder of this good news. That we are needy sinners. And outside of Christ, we were set on the road to destruction. And yet you intervened in a mighty way. And that while we were still yet sinners, Christ Jesus came into the world. He identified with us in our sin and our weakness. Being tempted and tried in all ways that we are yet without sin. And then he gave himself as that once for all perfect sacrifice for our sins. That Christ Jesus, your only begotten son, died for us. This was the purpose that he came. To save his people from their sins. We praise you and thank you, O God, that you have enabled us by your grace. To hear this good news proclaimed to believe it by the power of your spirit and we do pray that your spirit would impress this truth upon each of our hearts drawing us all closer to yourself but Lord we have such good news this is such a, a wonderful treasure and we look around the world around us and we see many other people who are in need may we be bold with the gospel to share with those who are in need that they too may be changed and transformed by the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ being born, suffering and dying on the cross for our sins, rising again from the dead on the third day, and being raised up now to sit at the right hand of, of you, O Father, in the glory of heaven, where He even now reigns and rules over all things, till He comes again in power and glory on the last great day. Oh, we just praise you and thank you because this is truly, it's not just good news, it is the best news. And we praise you and thank you for it. And we ask that you would now be with us and bless us in these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.